You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in for what will be an eventful show. Um, Alex Morallo is gonna he's gonna be on IR for a couple weeks. His health is good, uh, but he's got a couple things he's got to take care of. Some apparently some uh, some major changes in his work schedule, so he's gonna try to work through that and get to where he can uh, get back with us in a couple weeks. But in the meantime, we are very happy to have Dylan Terman with us, uh, staff writer with JetNation.com. He's done the show a couple times. Dylan, how you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Uh, excited to be back on again so soon. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. It's absolutely. And excuse, you'll. I'll have to ask you to pardon me. Deal with me. I'm. Uh, I'm sure I'm 100% fine. I'm sure I don't have COVID, but uh, I am awaiting test results because I've been coughing like a maniac. Um, and uh, I'm over here in the UK where the cases have like quadrupled in the last few weeks. So uh, oh, I probably wouldn't have gotten the test if not for the fact that everyone I work with was staring at me um, every time I cough, telling me to get tested. So anyway, if I'm coughing right, like crazy, yeah. I'll try to, I'll try to mute it. Uh, we'll go from there. But listen, on to more important, <clears throat> on to more important things. What a disaster! What an absolute friggin' disaster! I've been a fan of this team for far too long. I think I'm on uh, 33 years now. I've been watching this team. This is as bad as it gets. We're going to talk later about Cotite versus Gase. It's closer than you think. Uh, but right off the bat, Le'Veon Bell released by the Jets. They take the massive cap hit. They tried to trade him, could not get anything in return. So Adam Gase, the brilliant, the man who is taking us where football is going, took an all-pro player, with a Hall of Fame trajectory, and in 18 months, he made him worthless. The, Le'Veon Bell's not 37 years old. That'd be Frank Gore. Then maybe, then maybe Adam Gates would have some use for him. Le'Veon Bell, even if he's not the Le'Veon Bell of old, he is still a very good, very capable football player. And I promise you, we will see that wherever he lands next. Probably going to be with a contender. He'll probably sign with the Chiefs. He might go to the Patriots. I just saw something. He works at Miami, maybe the Dolphins, so maybe not a contender there. But, you know, who knows how long until they are. But the bottom line is Le'Veon Bell is much better than what we've seen of him under Adam Gase. But because Adam Gase is Adam Gase, nobody in the league would touch Le'Veon Bell because he came with too big of a risk, that risk being an $8 million injury guarantee. So if you trade for Le'Veon Bell and he pops an ankle or pops a knee and he's going to miss the season he's guaranteed eight million next and you got to keep him so teams looked at him and went this guy's not good enough to take that risk all pro hall of fame trajectory running back 18 months ago and teams aren't willing to take any risk on him because he looks absolutely worthless in adam gase's offense because this is what adam gase does to people folks this is this is how people perform in adam gase's offense so it was another blowout loss. I honestly, Dylan, I said to you earlier when I was prepping for the show, I actually forgot that there was a football game to talk about. 
I, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost as if I've forgotten about the 20-point the blowout, another blowout, another double-digit loss, six losses by 20 points or more since they hired Adam Gase, more than any head coach in the NFL. Genius. 20-point loss after the game. This was, I mean, this may be Adam Gase at his absolute maniacal best. Some of the answers he gave in that press conference were mind-boggling. I'm talking... To say the least. I couldn't see it, but in my, in, my, in my mind, he had the crazy eyes going while he was saying this stuff. Because that's how out of left field these answers were. Let's, let's go over a few of these things, Dylan. LaMichael right. uh, Perrin, zero carries in a 20-point loss while Frank Gore continues to get six, seven, eight, nine, ten carries a week. 37-year-old, 3.3 yards to carry Frank Gore for an 0-5 team going nowhere. <clears throat> and the kid is on the bench, can't get a damn carry. What does Adam Gase say after the game? Uh, Coach Gase, why, why didn't you give uh, LaMichael Perrin some carries? Uh, uh, we, don't, we don't want to put too much on his plate. Too much on his plate. An NFL running back. Rookie or not, NFL running back. They didn't sign him two days ago. They didn't. He didn't just show up. I don't care that there wasn't yeah. a training camp. It's week five. He's had a month, five weeks of active NFL practices. He had a month of training camp prior to that. Preseason games or not, he had practices a month worth. And he had however much time to study his playbook in the months since they drafted him. He has been in this system, on this team, with a playbook in his hands for four, five, six months. And they don't want to give him a carry because it may overwhelm him. As a rookie with the New England Patriots. Go, sorry, go ahead, Dylan. No, I'm just saying it's, it's inexcusable. I, uh, I happen to be having a... NFL Network on in the background, Fantasy Live just noted that LaMichael Piron has seen 12% of the snaps this season. And I'm not sure if that accounts for what little special teams he has, but right, that's just sad. And I tweeted it out before this show. I was looking at Miami and their roster and whatnot, and they have Miles Gaskin, who was drafted in the seventh round, and he's played over 200 snaps already for them. And I'm not exactly sure what the production breaks down to with him, but to see the field five times more than Ryan at this rate, who was drafted three rounds earlier, is just the only word I can think of is inexcusable. Jets Hall of Fame running back Curtis Martin as a rookie with the Patriots under Hall of Fame coach Bill Parcells had 368 carries. Boy, really stunted his growth, didn't it? Curtis Martin was never the same after that rookie year after Bill Parcells had him carry the ball nearly 400 times. Adam Gates thinks are built different. It's it's Damian. If you're not following, listen, if you're a Jets fan on Twitter, there's no reason you shouldn't be following Damian Woody. But if you're not following Mm -hmm. Damian Woody, follow Damian Woody. The guy has been nailing this every step of the way. He laughed at Adam Gase. He's, I mean, everyone knows it, but Damian Woody said, is literally the easiest position 
in the NFL to transition from college. College to the pros running back. Take the ball, hit the hole, go. That's it. Adam Gase, Adam Gase's rookie running back, needs eight months to get ready for a game because he's a genius. And he's the future of the NFL. And then to, to top it all off, 24 hours, 36 hours, whatever it's been, since Adam Gase told us he didn't want to overwhelm Mike, Michael Pierre, I didn't want, didn't want to put too much on his plate. They released Le'Veon Bell, and now all of a sudden, it's critical that we get him some carries. Got to get him some carries. Yep. Two days ago, it was so overwhelming. Quickly. Two yep. days ago, he couldn't handle a couple carries. Today, oh, yeah, got to get, gotta get carries. It's critical. Can't not do it. He's just making it up as he goes along because he doesn't Absolutely. know what the hell he's doing. Then, staying on the topic of running backs, the Jets faced a situation in this game where it was second down and 26. Second and 26. What does Adam Gase do? Frank Gore up the middle. Frank 3.3 yards of carry Gore up the middle. And I, I listen, I, I have no I, – I love Frank Gore. The person, the player, great guy, Hall of Famer, first ballot. Put him he in. was always fun five, to watch. Well-deserved, great guy, great teammate. Doesn't belong on this team. Serves no purpose on this team. Don't give me this mentoring a running back. They can't bring in a quarterback's coach to help the QB but they need a running back mentor, give me a damn break. So Frank, 3.3 yards of carry, Gore, gets a handoff up the middle on second down and 26. And Adam Gase's rationale is, I wanted to get to third and 10. So you were banking on a 16-yard run from a guy who's averaging three yards of carry. That hasn't seen a 16-yard run since probably five years ago. It's unbelievable. He doesn't have it left in him. That's just silly. You you hear Adam Gase say it. Some of his apologists say it. Oh, if the players would just execute. If the players would execute. Listen, if the players would execute, you could run a QB draw on every single play and score 100 points. If everyone blocks their guy exactly how they're supposed to and drives them into the ground... Yeah, sure. Any play works. Exactly. But for God's sake, there's it, probabilities. What if his players executed, he probably, uh, he probably never would have been fired out of Miami if his players executed for him. Yeah, and his players don't execute everywhere he goes. But it's always yeah. on them. But listen, I just uh, did a quick more. search on uh, Piran. Just snap usage on Piran. There are eight running backs, rookie running backs that have more snaps than him. And I don't know I exactly where all of them were I don't know exactly where all of them were drafted. But I know James Robinson was drafted after him. Antonio Gibson was drafted roughly around where he was. And he didn't even play running back in uh, college. He did a little bit, but he, that wasn't his main position. So like it's I have no other word but inexcusable at this point. And unfortunately as much as Jets fans hated Le'Veon getting released, I think they're going to hate it even more when the Pirine snap usage doesn't 
magically increase. I mean, they had three weeks to showcase him while Bell was on IR, and they just refused. It was it, – I don't, I don't know what they expect from Pirine. They're going to put him in from zero to 100, and I don't think that's the, the way to succeed with him. But at the same time, give him 70, 70% of the snaps this game and see what happens. I mean, what do we have to lose? I don't. I don't think that literally nothing to lose. I know it won't happen, but what? what Yeah, I I think he'll get. I think he'll get five carries, six carries. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think Gore will get seventy. Josh Adams will have plays. Who knows? Ty Johnson might have plays. I think all four running backs will see the field. It's um, and please don't put him at kick return. Like figure that out too. I don't know why all of a sudden we went from Josh Malone to. Ashton Davis to Michael P. Ryan, like we don't have a kick returner. This is just that's silly. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, by the way, Christian Dyer of Sports Illustrated is going to be joining us in a little while as well. Um, so we'll you know we'll talk about some of the stuff with him. But mm-hmm. um, what what I wanted to cover next, um, Dylan, and really, I it, it really surprises me that this isn't, hasn't been a bigger story and maybe I'm making too much of it, but we keep hearing people talk about the power structure at one jets drive that Gase and Joe Douglas are on equal footing and they answer to Christopher Johnson. Um, that's fine. Christopher Johnson's, you know, the team owner, I get it, but you don't want, you don't want, Christopher Johnson getting involved heavily in the football decisions. Like, certainly inform him, tell him why you're doing what you're doing so he understands so that if you say we expect this to happen and the opposite happens, at least then he knows, well, you don't know what the hell you're doing there, coach. You know, but the interesting Mm -hmm. thing, and I wondered if this was Adam Gase kind of letting the media know, again, they didn't pick up on it, not much was said, letting the media know that he's not He's having to answer to other people aside from Christopher Johnson, which is absolutely insane. But what Adam Gay said after the game, he was asked about the potential return of Sam Darnold. And he said, that's something that's being worked out between myself, Joe Douglas, Chris Johnson, and team president Jaime Elhai. Is Adam, are Adam Gase and Joe Douglas answering to the team president whose primary role is business operations? He's not a football guy. Yeah, not football operations, yeah. No, not football, like business operations. Yeah. Corporate stuff, community relations, ticketing, security, marketing. That's his job. And he is attending a meeting to discuss when the quarterback will be back on the field. And what the who the hell is in charge? Listen, Joe Douglas, you can tell me Joe Douglas is his own man and he's the GM. And, and to be fair, there's two possibilities here. One thing I know, or well, that, that I, I hope, is that Joe Douglas is making some of the moves he's making at the request of Adam Gase for the reason, for being able to say at the end of the season, if things don't work out, well, we know things aren't going to work out. But he doesn't want Adam Gase to be able to say, hey, man, 
I asked you for this and you didn't get it for me. And granted, right. there haven't any there haven't been any blockbusters uh, uh, to, to Adam Gase's benefit. But you went out, you traded for Demarius Thomas last year, a former Gase guy. You traded for Kalen uh, Kalen Balage, and then the trade gets shut down because he fails a physical. And then you go out and sign Kalen Balage. Kalen Balage is a guy that Adam Gase drafted. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, he fails the physical, and you still want to bring him in. That's... Yeah, exactly. So you bring him in at Adam Gase's request. I, can all, I mean, Adam Gase drafted the guy, and he played for Gase in Miami. You're not going to sit here and tell me this was a Joe Douglas move. This was, and now, now, is this Adam Gase going to the higher-ups? Is he going to Jaime Elhai? Is he going to Christopher Johnson and saying, listen, man, I drafted this guy, really like him. Uh, let Joe know that we need to get him. Or is he just going to Joe and saying, look, Joe, uh, you know, sign Kalen Balazs. Uh, you know, I, I can really do something with him. Two weeks he's cut because he almost got the quarterback killed. Because, oh, by the way, he doesn't know how to block. Mm-hmm. How, uh, yep. how would Adam oh, Gates possibly gosh. know that a guy he drafted and coached for a year doesn't know how to block? But apparently he doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I, he had another I, I want... gunner as well, so that tells yeah, you how you much can... he trusted him in his, in his team. And you can, you know, you can tell me that these moves are being made, you know, Joe Douglas is making these moves on his own. I'm not buying it, but I want to know who, who's making the big calls. If, if the team president right. and the team owner have to get in on a meeting to make football decisions, I, I don't know that another team does that. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't follow other so. teams closely enough to know. But I'm sure mm-hmm. I've never heard, like, you know, Mike Tomlin is going to sit down with Rooney and their marketing guy to decide when Ben Roethlisberger gets back on the field. And, and it's, no. you know, yeah. And listen, Jaime Elhai has been with the organization for a million years. The team loves him. That's fine. I'm sure he's amazing at his job. That, that, you know, that there's no reason to criticize what the guy does. Right. I'm criticizing the organization for what he does for thinking. And, and I'm sure if the organization would call to the mat on it, they'd say, Oh, he's just there for this. He's just there for that. Listen, it's a discussion about when the quarterback comes back to play and the guy's there. And I, you can tell me he's not, he doesn't have anything to do with it. But as I said earlier, when we spoke before the show, Dylan, if you had a business meeting to go to and the, and, and the person you're going with says, Oh, I want to bring my gardener. My gardener is going to sit with me during the meeting. You'd be like, why? Oh, he's just there. You know, he's not going to say anything. He's not, it's not important, but he's going to be there. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Like this person is not involved in this situation. Oh, but I just want him there. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the reason why your marketing guy is in on football decisions. If this is correct, this could be completely untrue, but the, and I know Adam Gase has lied about some things in the past, but this would be a super weird lie to tell the media right. that him and Joe Douglas and Chris Johnson and Jaime Elhai are sitting down to decide when, Chris, when, when uh, Sam Donald gets back out on the field. It just absolutely yeah, defies logic. And it, 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 who, who's in charge? At what level? You know, and if, if you read Jaime Elhai's uh, bio on, on the team website, it says, that, it says that he's there to provide support and guidance in helping Joe Douglas and Adam Gase with their responsibilities. Oh, jeez. Now, that, 
that can be just a, a thing you put on a resume to make a guy sound good. It's very like vague. It. I get that. Right. But if he's in these meetings helping make these decisions, then what the hell is going on? I don't. Yeah, you, I don't you know, almost, man. You, you almost have a case of too many generals, not enough soldiers, when it comes to the the front office of the Jets. I mean, that's now a fourth voice, fourth input, a fourth set of ears that's listening, observing, trying to meddle with the football operations of the team. And it's it's almost like addition by subtraction. The less noise in the room, the more person with the power can actually focus. And, I mean, right now I believe it's Joe Douglas that should hold the power. Um, I don't know any other organizations that win – that have a structure kind of like the Jets where the GM and the coach aren't in lockstep. I mean, you don't see the Chiefs, you don't see Brett Veach and Andy Reid making moves that they don't both sign off on. It's, it's, a, a, weird, it's, it's a weird structure I never quite understood, but the Jaime thing just adds a whole new dimension of the distrust possibly, or is he there and, and to I, I, evaluate Joe Douglas for the future? Um, but yeah, too many generals, not enough soldiers. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it's still the case, but as far as the structure goes and you know, how it works or doesn't work, uh, when the jets started it, I know that the Falcons and dolphins had the same setup. And I remember reading that more teams were sort of looking into it. I don't get it. Have somebody be in charge. Maybe it's just the owner's wanting to have more authority, like not wanting anyone below them to feel like they have authority. Right. I don't know. It's actually weird know. you mentioned the, the Falcons there because they just hired, uh, fired rather uh, Dimitrov and Dan Quinn, their GM. And yeah, head exactly. And then, exactly. and then owner Arthur Blank comes out and makes a statement about the future of Matt Ryan. And it's like, all right, well, are you going to let your new regime decide that? Or are you going to come yeah. out and decide that yourself? Or so, yeah, that's, that's a weird, a weird scenario for them as well. So that makes sense that it might be just an owner thing where they want the power because they want to maybe feel like they had a hand in turning it around or, you know, they just, I don't know. They just can't stay I mean, away. At first it made I, sense because if you remember the, the feud, the dueling personalities between Rex and Idzik, and that's when they adopted it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was supposedly mm-hmm. like Woody was so tired of the bickering that when he fired them or the, when, he, when he brought Idzik on, it was going to be a joint thing. No one was over anyone. No one had the power. Give someone the damn power. Give Joe Douglas the power. Joe Douglas is the guy with a six-year deal who was still an unknown. We know Adam Gase is a trick. Exactly. This is not a question anymore. Joe Douglas got a six-year deal. Adam Gase should be gone after this year. And Joe Douglas, yeah, here's the problem think. with Joe Douglas. Here's the biggest problem with Joe Douglas at the moment. And it's not even, if we're going to be honest, it's not even a Joe Douglas problem. All of his draft picks are hurt. That's where, that's where you make your bones as a GM. It looks like draft? it's all his fault, but it's not. We don't know what goes on with these practices. I mean, Denzel got hurt running on air. That's not Joe Douglas's fault. Um, I remember when I tweeted out that snap, snap count usage of the, the rookie class. It was awful. I mean, there was multiple zeros, and I, I, I said to blame Gates. I mean, I don't know if this is a, a practice thing or 
a tra- strength and conditioning thing, but I think that it's not Joe Douglas's fault that his rookies aren't on the field. And I think when you look at the draft class heading into the season, we had a handful of picks that could have contributed in the short term as well as the long term. We're still waiting to see on multiple of them, but I think that the draft class will end up looking better than their production says it is right now. Yeah, it really just, I mean, the, 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 the number of guys who can't get on the field. I mean, you know Morgan's not going to play. FIU guy, no. project, even with the quarterbacks being hurt. You have Mike White. You have Joe Flacco. You don't expect Morgan to play. But Cam, I mean, Cameron Clark's back in practice, which is great news. He's back now. Very good news. Haven't heard anything on Jabari Zuniga. Ashton Davis played last week, but he's been dinged up. As you said, Denzel Mims literally had one practice under his belt. Makai yeah. Becker, why isn't – why – I didn't hear anyone today. I haven't heard anyone at all press case on on what. Give me the best and worst case scenario on Makai Becton. Is there a chance he'll be back in two weeks? And is there a chance he'll be out the rest of the season? Yeah, they they seem to be completely ignoring it with their questions. So it's almost like it's letting him off the hook. If I was if I was asking him questions, that'd be the first thing on my mind because he was our first pick. He was. He was the one that everybody was like, "Yep, this is our guy. We're gonna we're gonna build the offensive line around him, and then you go and do this a quarter of the way into the season and throw him out there injured." I don't know. It's it's silly and, and, that and again, nobody's asking him. Future Hall of Fame tackle. That <clears throat> excuse me. The night Becton got hurt, um, and this is I mean this is exactly where I was and where most people were, but uh, just just for some more credibility, uh, future Hall of Fame tackle Joe Thomas. He, he tweeted out. He said, I never understand doing this. If a guy can play, he starts. If he's not mm-hmm. starting, he can't play. If he can't we play, you don't make him active. Yep. You don't make him active. You sit him. But you start yep. the guy. We're only going to start him if it's an emergency. Well, if he can play, or we're going to play him if it's an emergency. If he can play, start him. If he's too hurt to start, he's too hurt to play. So what happens? You put him in there injured, and he, he re-injures the, soul, the shoulder. And, you know, Gase after the game, certainly, most certainly trying to cover himself. Uh, it's just, you know, just a pain tolerance thing. It's a little bit sore. Just going to be how much pain he can tolerate. And then yeah, a few days later, how much strength week, he can get back. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, go. Keep, keep going. Yeah, no, yeah. <clears throat> and then it becomes, um, yeah, now he's hurt. It's it's no longer pain tolerance or strength. It's he's hurt. But you know, like you Denzel, look up just like Denzel, similar yeah. sequence of statements and events where it was a minor thing, and oh, we expect him back here. We expect him back here. Oh, he'll be back after this week. They had that scrimmage. And and Denzel was supposed to come back. Yep. And then all of a sudden, oh, it looks a little bit worse than we thought with Mims, and we don't know and when then, he'll be back. And then they IR him a week after the. And as I said, I've said a couple times this offseason or this season, like the only move Adam Gase made after the disaster that was last year, the one, his one move to shake things up was to fire the head trainer. And the injuries uh, yeah. are way worse since they got rid of the head trainer. Who's and been here a lot. Like, he's been here for a while, right? He, he wasn't yeah, just. Like, uh... Yeah, I think he's been around since the Mangini days. They fire him, and they replace him with the guy that he trained. So you're not good enough. 
we're going to bring in the guy that you taught how to do the job. And then the injuries get worse. Denzel Mims, I'll be back soon. Oh, like uh, Perriman, he'll be back soon. Beckton, uh, he he'll be back soon. Everyone's going to be back yeah. soon. Nobody's on the damn field. Absolute disaster. You know what's not an absolute disaster? Christian Dyer of Sports Illustrated, who is joining us live now. Christian, how are you doing? Good, guys. How are you? It sounds like my marriage vows. Uh, well, at least I'm not an absolute disaster, honey. Yeah, listen, it's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, so I thought I would impart that on you, Christian. But well, I listen, appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. But Christian, uh, the Lev Bell situation, um, your thoughts. I'm, I'm not even, I mean, just everyone's, everyone's kind of thrown out there what they think of this. Whose fault is it? How could it have gone better? How could, why wasn't it, uh, uh, you know, everyone knows Gase didn't want him, yada, yada, yada. What are your thoughts on the Bell situation and how it all unfolded? Yeah, I think I think you know it wouldn't be a Jets issue if there weren't more than one hand in the, set of hands in the cookie jar, right? I, I think this is a situation where you probably have multiple levels of blame, and I think you start first and foremost with Mike McCagney, uh, you know, going all in on the player and Le'Veon Bell. Who listen, I think if you put Le'Veon Bell on probably half the teams in the league, we're talking about a Pro Bowl caliber running back. This is a guy who with 13 touches behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league uh, on Sunday, uh, had, had 60 rushing yards. Uh, you know, week one had two receptions for 32 yards. You give him a decent number of touches, 18 to 20 touches in a game, and you're talking about 100 total or, you know, all-purpose yards behind a, a relatively weak offensive line. Uh, but, the, but he's a luxury item, and when the Jets signed him last year, the roster that they had because of salary cap issues, uh, because of the perpetual rebuild that they've been in, uh, you know, that, that team was kind of still shopping uh, at the thrift stores, if you will. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're getting a Gucci handbag to go along with your Marshalls and TJ Maxx ensemble. Uh, and can you tell I'm a married man by, you know, some, some of these things I'm dropping? <laughs> uh, you know, all of a sudden you, you've got a real mismatch marriage. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell is certainly a luxury item. He's twice an all-pro in his first five years in the league, three times a Pro Bowl selection. Uh, what he does with the ball in his hands is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the Jets were not geared up to maximize his skill set. Michael McCagney knew that. That's money that could have been used on uh, certainly probably a number of other needs, uh, in particular an offensive line that had been neglected essentially since, uh, you know, for probably about the past five or six years before that signing. And at the end of the day, this also has the stamp of Woody and Christopher Johnson on it, who both like star players. They found a player who is willing to come at the right price. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is someone who can sell jerseys, who can create some excitement. There was an awful lot of excitement at training camp last year uh, when Le'Veon Bell was walking around and walking in and off the field, and fans wanted to be a part of that. And I think that's very appealing to the Johnsons in the New York market to have somebody who uh, you know, can grab some headlines and hopefully be a superstar and sell, uh, sell tickets and PSLs. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it also then falls on uh, both Joe Douglas and uh, Adam Gase as well. I mean, neither one was able to really maximize him. Uh, you've got somebody who is probably one of the best in his position. I mean, ESPN uh, survey that they did of management, the front office and personnel types, including scouts and GMs and directors of personnel, had him as the number 10 running back in the NFL. And that's considering uh, what he played behind last year that really wasn't an offensive line. It was more offensive than it was an offensive line. 
uh, and, and you know there isn't a, a scheme or uh, certainly the roster on the talent again to be able to maximize what Bell brings to the table. Did Bell contribute to this? Uh, you know, you probably look at some of uh, the head coach's comments today, and you can't help but think that well, he was a little bit muted in terms of. Uh, you know, any kind of endorsement of Bell. He, you know, Adam Gase said that he wishes Bell the best, and he'll undoubtedly sign somewhere in the league. No harm, no foul. It just didn't work out. But there wasn't really overwhelming praise for what, what Bell brought on or off the field. And that may well be a head coach who's looking to consolidate the narratives and really, uh, you know, maybe point fingers at a player and say, you know, he's the issue. But also that you didn't really get the sense that this was a very difficult decision for the Jets to do, uh, even though it included eating up an awful lot of money. And it's just, it's, it's bizarre, Christian. It, it, it takes a special oh, person. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it takes a special, special person, as I said at the top of the show, to take an all-pro player and make him completely worthless within 18 months uh, to where nobody wanted to touch him. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Adam Gase today asked about his inability to utilize Bell, uh, which he views as being irrelevant. Uh, I would disagree with that. I think the fact that you can't play to a guy's skill set and can't play to his strengths um, kind of says more about the coach. Uh, but but enough of that, Christian. Um, what, are, what are you hearing? I, I don't know if I've missed it. I feel like either the press, for some reason, is giving Gase a pass or he is being very coy and no one's pressing him. What's the status of Makai Becton? Yeah, um, Makai Becton uh, was out on Wednesday. Um, he may not practice tomorrow. They're going to wait and see exactly how everything works out with his shoulder and pain tolerance. There's a chance he may practice uh, at some point later this week. I, I would say that if you don't practice on Wednesday, you've kind of seen uh, with Gase that he's a little hesitant then to to put you in on Thursday. Um, I've, I've been told from people I've spoken with uh, close to the organization that um, if Becton didn't go back into that game, um, uh, the Thursday night game, the week four game against the Broncos, uh, didn't try to gut it out, play those 17 snaps, that he'd be significantly further along in the healing process right now. So, Fantastic. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess, well, I, I think you have to give it to Becton to, that, that he's a gamer, he wants to push through it. You know, this, oh, this, yeah. is imperfect, this is imperfect science on the sidelines. And I think you've got to take sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult when a rookie says, I can play, I can push through. Um, and there's, there's no signs of anything necessarily being long-term injury. You kind of have to leave it up to the rookie, I, I guess, to, to learn from it. But this shouldn't be something that's going to be a long-term struggle. My guess is going to be, um, if I had to put money on it, that Makai Beckton will not be playing on Sunday. So that means uh, that you should probably put money on it that he will be playing. Yeah, I, I, I would actually agree with you, Christian. I think he's going to miss more time. I think the Jets, and I said this, I don't know if you caught it, Christian, uh, Joe Thomas, the former Browns left tackle, kind of said uh, during the game, if a guy can't start, the guy can't play. Like, he shouldn't be active. He, he's either healthy enough to play or he's not. Um, Adam Gase uh, did what Adam Gase does. So now Becton is uh, Becton's going to be out for a little longer than he should be but uh, kind of par for the course this season. But the big question uh, I want to ask before you go, Christian, because this is the next topic I was going to tackle with Dylan here. Um, things are a disaster. This team is looking like an 0-16 team. They just got rid of their best running back. Uh, Joe Douglas may have some more moves up his sleeve. Is it? There, there's clearly not enough time to evaluate Sam Darnold. They're not going to pick up a 50-year option. 
is it time to try to shop Sam Darnold and just move on? Well, I think it always comes down to what are you getting in return for Sam Darnold? And so you know, it's not going to be a first-round pick. It's probably not going to be a day-two pick. Uh, but is the belief that the Sam Darnold you saw over the final eight games last year, um, you know, inc- including some impressive performances um, against the Raiders and against the Steelers, um, is that going to be enough to, to waylay and kind of overlook uh, what we've seen this year. And, I mean, the Jets' issues have been multiple. We know that the offensive line, the, the lack of preseason games, listen, it would have been next to impossible for this offensive line to gel uh, during the course of four preseason games and be ready for week one. You do it now in this scenario, uh, you know, <laughs> that certainly doesn't help Donald. He hasn't had targets. Um, and he has a head coach who may not be helping his development. Do you believe that Sam Darnold now heading into year number four of a rookie contract as the number three overall pick um, is going to be substantially better than, uh, let's say, Trevor Lawrence, who, who if he's there at number one, um, you know, is going to be on a rookie contract? Um, it, it's, a, it's a very tough and a very difficult argument because I think everyone wants to see Sam Darnold succeed. And I think everyone believes that Sam Darnold can be a starting quarterback in this league. Is he – is he a top five quarterback now? Is he a top 10 quarterback now? Is he top 15? Probably not. But in this league, an awful lot of quarterbacks have managed games, have won games, have done a good enough job and gotten their teams into the playoffs, into Super Bowls. Uh, and, I, and I think the guy who's starting week six is kind of what you're looking at in terms of career trajectory and an upside for Sam Darnold if he's healthy. Joe Flacco's made a career of being solid, steady, and doing a good enough job to uh, let the components in and around him uh, succeed. And I think that's the brilliance of Joe Flacco. And uh, I think that's probably what, uh, if everything broke the right way, Sam Darnold could grow and develop into. So it would be very tough for me to say that this is, um, you know, this is the time now to, to cut ties with Sam Darnold. But if the Jets are convinced that, uh, A, they can save money on the cap, uh, Darnold's fourth-year number versus Trevor Lawrence's, uh, number one pick, first year number, um, and you know, quite frankly, what are the other factors that, that come into play here? Uh, we're probably talking about a brand new head coach uh, in 2021 for the Jets. In, in all likelihood, I don't know how Adam Gase, barring you know, uh, closing out the season going 500, um, is going to be able to sustain this thing going to 2021. Is a new head coach going to be as tied to Sam Darnold? What's Darnold's mentality in all of this? Uh, what are you possibly getting in return uh, for Darnold? And also, I think that there's an awfully big component here that and we mentioned it before with uh, Woody and Christopher Johnson, again, leaving superstars in New York, recognizing that superstars create buzz. Uh, a winning team is great, but a, but a winning team with superstars is even better in New York. And uh, Trevor Lawrence would certainly um, ratchet up the, uh, the anticipation level. Um, I think in many ways it would trump uh, what the New York Giants did with Daniel Jones and, and they're, you know, taking someone number one overall and this hyped the most polished uh, college quarterback to come out since Andrew Luck. Um, you know, that would certainly, I think, resonate with the fan base. And it would also probably buy Joe Douglas some time too, which, you know, Joe Douglas wants to make a winner, but Joe Douglas also wants to keep, keep this job and stay employed and uh, kind of starting to rebuild all over again. And what is really, you know, I think officially his second full year with the Jets next year, um, I, I think that might also be appealing to Joe Douglas as well, having a rookie quarterback, because you can't necessarily judge him if, uh, <laughs> if you got a rookie quarterback. So that, that, that punts on some of those decisions as well. 
All right, Christian Dyer, Sports Illustrated. Thanks so much for joining us, Christian. Appreciate it as always. No, take care, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. All right, so Dylan, as you heard, that that was uh, Christian's two cents on what the Jets should do with Sam Darnold. Uh, give me your thoughts. What, is it is it time to shop Darnold? Do you hang on to him? If so, why? Why not? What What are you thinking? Um. So, like, kind of like what he said. I think if it happens, you know, it probably will be for the better, as far as from his standpoint. Maybe it for for the Jets, as far as helping them secure the number one pick, it would be the preferred route by the front office. But if if it's my decision, I would say just play him when he's healthy, see what he can do. Not only throw the draft pick out the window, whatever he returns, the difference in his play between now and the rest of the season, what that draft difference would be, a fourth to a second round pick maybe. I think you play him for the sake of evaluating the rest of the talent on the offense because Joe Flacco will not give you a true sense of what this offense could look like with a young upside quarterback. So I think the Jets may end up doing it depending on how quickly he can get healthy or if he could play one game before the trade deadline and maybe they shop him similar to Bell. I don't know. Um, It's hard to say at this point, but listening to his press conference today, he sounded very disheartened. He was answering the questions, but that's really it. He was, you know, he just going through emotions like, like he was very over it. Like he, he knew the time was coming to an end, whether it was for Gates and him or for him. It just looked like he was very out of it. Um, But again, with the trading of Darnold, I'd also think, I'm not sure if this is, um, I need clarification, but they trade him. Another team has to pick up his fifth year option without seeing a practice out of him, or they have to restructure a deal or something along those lines. So I think from a contract standpoint as well, it makes it very hard to move Sam Darnold now and in the future, especially if we do draft Lawrence and then we trade Darnold, they know that we aren't taking much because we have a quarterback. It just makes the situation very, very difficult. But I think what it'll, I, I think I, what I it'll take, play. I think what it'll take if you're going to trade him, there's going to have to be a team that had him very highly rated pre-draft that understands Adam Gase mm-hmm. is an idiot and that this isn't Sam Darnold's fault. Um, and they, and you do get, you get people in this league. Um, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong, but kind of ego driven, like, Oh man, I can be the guy to make that kid uh, a, a top five quarterback after, you know, right. looking like, uh, looking like garbage for Adam Gase, uh, which is probably yeah. what'll happen. The QB savior. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it should, um, because you know, he has the potential. We've all, he we've absolutely does. seen and, the potential. And that's what I mean. No, no one's going to make that move if they think the guy's terrible. Like, if they don't think the guy can play, that's <clears> exactly. great for him. But if you get a GM exactly. who says, oh, man, the year Darnold came out, you know, we had him number one on our board, but we were picking 27th or we didn't need a quarterback. But, man, if, he, if, he, if there's still some of that kid in there, let's trade. He's still young. He's still, what, 22, 23. He's still a young kid. If we can yep. get him and uh, turn things around. Listen. You, you need to look no further than Ryan Tannehill, okay? 
He's an older exactly. guy, older than Darnold, <clears throat> yep. more years in the league, was infected with Adam Gase, and all of a sudden, last night he carved up the Buffalo Bills for 42 points with his with a, a Derrick Henry carries Ryan Tannehill three yards a carry for Derrick Henry last night, and and Ryan Tannehill throws three touchdown passes, 42 points, and and, and people people ignore the fact that Derrick Henry's production increased when Ryan Tannehill came in to play quarterback last year for the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans. His numbers improved when Tannehill came out. in. So yep. don't tell me Tannehill can't play. He's playing better than no. he's ever played in his life. He had a good year with, with Gase. Don't get me wrong. He had a good year. Congratulations. But yep. uh, all in all, Ryan Tannehill, look, like I said, look no further than Tannehill and the guys who played under Gase who are doing great now, who were terrible under him. And we'll see it on Sunday. I think uh, Devontae Parker – I believe Mike Gesicki was there when he was there. Yep, so, yep. You know, all these, he drafted all Gesicki, these players we'll see right there, yep. right in front of us. And you know what else you won't have to look any further? If you're looking for someone to run your social media platforms for your business, look no further than Miles Social. Miles Social is the official sponsor of Jet Nation Radio. You can check them out on milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social, milesocial.com. Whether it's your, your Twitter, your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it may be, too many social media platforms to manage. You got other things going on with your business, call Miles Social. They'll take care of it for you. Or visit them online, M-I-L-E social, milesocial.com. So, yeah, my opinion, Dylan, with the, with the, the Sam Darnold thing, is that barring – the greatest miracle of miracles on the football field. He, he's not going to have the time this year. He's injured. He might, he might miss a couple more weeks. They already ruled him out this week. He might miss the following week. Is, is he going to be able to and do enough? And then the next week, the trade deadline. Yeah. Is he going to be able to do enough in eight games to alter the Jets draft strategy? I mean, he would have to go out there and win eight in a row and be lights out for them to say, okay, we don't have to draft Trevor Lawrence now. So the most likely scenario, if you don't trade him, is that he eventually gets healthy, he comes back, he plays somewhere between poor to slightly above average, and then the draft hits. Poor to slightly above average is not good enough to pass on Trevor Lawrence. Now, the one scenario, excuse me, the one scenario that will not unfold because it would be too ideal, would be that you draft Lawrence, you keep Darnold, you go into camp with both, Darnold lights it up early on, and you get some premium picks for him before the season starts. And, or mm-hmm. you let Darnold start the first few games, knowing that Lawrence, think back, think back to San Diego. I don't know how old you are, Dylan, if you remember this. Chargers had Drew Brees. Drew Brees struggled for mm-hmm. a few years. So they drafted Phillip Rivers. And then Drew Brees kind of turned it around, but then he got injured, so they didn't. That that was a little bit different, but it was it could be similar in that you could have a guy on the bench who you think is better than yeah. the young quarterback you already have. Let that young quarterback in Sam Darnold go out there and play a few weeks, light up a couple defenses, and then you say we we need two ones for this guy, we need three ones yeah. for the, whatever. That's not going to happen because that would be perfect world scenario. And it's not going to unfold. Patrick that way. Mahomes and if, Patrick Mahomes if, didn't start until week seventeen of his uh, rookie season. They had Alex Smith 
And I think right. they were 11 and five or 12 and four that year. So it's not a yeah. rush to put any new quarterback on the field. If you have one that can, it's just, you know, just, give you something I, I, and I then think, you can trade off. So I do. I see I, what you I, mean. I and that, that. And I, that does make sense. If Donald is playing well enough, it's just so rare nowadays that a top five quarterback doesn't get on the field by week two or three. It just <laughs> whether it's declared starter before camp at this point. Yeah. And yeah. even when they're not, you know, even when they aren't, the only one I could think of that wasn't that like legitimately wasn't was Baker Mayfield. And then Tyrod Taylor gets hurt and Baker Mayfield ends up starting anyway. Um, Thanks, <laughs> and then it happens this year. Somebody blows up Tyrod Taylor with a damn uh, 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 needle trying oh, to yep. and then Justin Herbert. And now he, you got to feel for Tyrod Taylor. Jesus Christ. What a oh, tough yeah, break for him. It's nuts. But listen, Darnold, listen, I love the guy. I want him to succeed here. I, I hope. I hope he comes back and plays just well enough to still get Gase fired, but to show that he can play. And because, mm-hmm. uh, listen, I want, I want Mekhi Becton and Penny Sewell blocking for Sam Darnold, protecting Sam Darnold for the next 15 years. Oh, yeah. In a dream scenario, is, absolutely. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Most likely scenario, Darnold doesn't play well this year. Jets take Lawrence. Uh, Darnold leaves and wins five Super Bowls somewhere else, and Lawrence is a bust. Um, <laughs> that That's the Jets' most likely scenario. But anyway, uh, moving <laughs> on have, to um, – um, Oh, go I ahead. I had a question, though, about regarding the draft. If the Jets land number two overall, say they happen to win three games this year, and, I don't know, the Falcons or the Giants only win two, or whatever the case may be, what what do you think the team does? Because I think I know what you would do at number two, but what do you think the team does at number two? Do you think they try to trade up using Seattle's ones and extra threes, or do you think that they hold tight and take a lance or fields possibly? I, I don't think they're in any position to give up any extra picks. I think I think Joe Douglas is going to look to add right. picks prior to the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you got to take Sewell in that spot and you keep working with Darnold. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see because they have 10 picks as it stands now. Joe Douglas needs about 45 picks. Um, yeah. So, you know, man roster. Yeah. 45 picks sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roughly maybe, maybe 43, maybe we're being harsh, but yeah, they need a lot of picks <laughs> and I would, I would be really surprised. If he's not working the phones right now, trying to get, even if they're day three picks, if you're talking Jordan Jenkins somewhere for a six or a seven, he may not have any value. He's not doing anything this year. Nobody yep. on defense is. Well, that, Entire defense is that a total wreck. Me, speaking of all these trades and the trade deadline, that reminds me of the uh, video I shared with you shortly before we went live from the Michael K show where oh, yes. Michael go K ahead, asked, Go ahead and break that down. Michael K asked uh, Joe Douglas to come on his show. And uh, I guess Joe Douglas declined the interview and said that he was going to wait till after the deadline. I guess that's the normal general manager routine of when they speak to the media, but he said flat out, no, he's going to wait till the deadline in three weeks. So I, I assumed immediately that more things were coming down the pipe as far as trading off players for draft picks. So instead of answering questions for the next three weeks in a row, I guess he wants to make the move and then discuss them all at once. So Buckle up, I think, until the trade deadline, because this roster could look very different in a month from now. 
I mean, it could be the case, but you know, like the, the biggest thing is there aren't many guys right, you can exactly. deal. You know, we, we spoke briefly. You, you, you might get a pick for Poole. Yeah, right. you might get a pick for Poole. You might get a pick for Jenkins, but we're talking sixth, seventh rounders. Oh um, yeah, nothing day three, like later day three. Yeah, nothing significant. And if you do yeah, move anything that's significant, you are you have to come out, and the first question will be are you punting on the 2020 season? And he better have the correct response this time. And that is, yes, we are absolutely punting on the season because there's no other, no other solution other than punt at this point. No, punt it on third down. uh, That's what we do. That's what, that's what this season is a punt on third down. Yeah, it really is. It's so bizarre at this point. Um, that I, I really, this is, this is, and, and the, the comparison, I said earlier, the gase Kotite comparison. Um, you know, people can say all they like that Kotite was worse, and I, I see where they're coming from, but one of the things to me is, you know, you, you look at the, the, the 1996 team that went 1-15 versus Adam Gase's team this year, um, Kotite averaged more points per game, his offense had one more touchdown. Um, lo- the, the, the margin of victory uh, was lower. They, the Kotite didn't get blown out as often. And <clears throat> Gase has lost two games by 20 points already. Kotite only lost one game by 20 points that year. And I understand Kotite's team had more talent. But my thing that kind of offsets that is that Adam Gase is playing in an era where the NFL is begging teams to score points they are doing and this year yeah. even more so Fewer it's penalties. unprecedented the amount of just offense go. this year I, every day yep. every game i look at 30 to 28 42 to 29 like the jets bet the over 30 yep. to 10 everyone yeah. is scoring points actually i think someone i don't know who's behind the jets i think the jets are 31st in points it must be the redskins or somebody but either way oh wow either way that's we're why, moving up yeah exactly that's why Gase, to me, is it's a legitimate question. Some people just dismiss it out of hand. Oh, stop being silly. Kotite was terrible. Oh, in 16, he had more talent than Gase. Okay. But Gase is 0-5. Did I say 0-16 for Kotite? 1-15. Anyway, uh, Gase right. is 0-5. And by almost every statistical, statistical measure, worse than Kotite. Kotite had to play in an era where defensive backs were allowed to mug receivers at the line of scrimmage. You see receivers getting ragdolled mm-hmm. off the snap. You don't do that anymore. Free releases, open yeah, releases all over the place. Yeah, wasn't what it is now. Yeah. Yeah, so Adam Gase, the, 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 the situation that he, he's having to prepare under is far different than the one that Kotite did. Kotite had to be able to coach, and he couldn't. <laughs> but neither can Gase. So at the very right. least, it's a wash. I mean, and you have to pile on the fact that Gase just he he he's got a couple different. Like sometimes I watch Adam Gase or I listen to him in a post game presser. There's two different Adam Gases. When he when he walks off the field and just got his ass handed to him, he acts like it just kind of happened and he had no control over it. Mm-hmm. Like he's always like. Oh, uh, we were gonna do this, but it didn't the happen. The game plan we, got away from me. We had a, we had a, yeah, <clears throat> we had a plan for that, but uh, it just didn't didn't unfold that way. 
Like, dude, you're calling the plays. Oh, we were yep. going to throw the ball. And uh, listen, I'm not all out on Chris Herndon like a lot of people are. Chris Herndon, I think the guy's pressing. He knows he's going to get two or three targets a game. He should he's be trying, getting yeah. eight, nine, ten targets a game. He's yep. going to get two or three targets a game. One of them is going to be beyond the line of scrimmage. The other one's going to be a, one's mm-hmm. be a screen. One's going to be a swing behind. He knows in his mind, I'm going to get one damn chance to catch a football today beyond the line of scrimmage. And he's I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next one liking tweets about his misuse in the coming weeks because, yeah, that's, he's trying yeah, to do that's, too that's, much with the little touches that he's getting. And it's unfortunate to name put a, I meant, per, a player of his potential in that situation. Exactly. He's a name I meant to bring up as trade potential. If I'm an offensive coach, if I'm any coach and I need a tight end, I'm going to be like, look, man, I, I've seen what Chris Herndon can do. Uh, call the Jets, see if we can have him for a six. And then let's throw him the ball five, six, seven times a game down the field and let him make some plays mm-hmm. and let him not press so hard because he knows he's only going to get one damn shot to catch the ball, you know, down the field. So I'm not out on Chris Herndon. A lot of people are. I don't, I don't no. care. I'm not putting I'm it on I'm down him. on him, but I'm not out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, people want to give up on him. That's fine. <laughs> but I, I would, I would completely disagree. But the thing is, do you deal him? Do you keep him? He's one of the few guys that might be able to get you a pick. I would prefer to keep him. There aren't enough good players on this team to, to move guys along who can play a little bit. So it's, it, it's a great big man. You have to help out a rookie quarterback if you bring him in. So, I mean, Herndon could be a player that really helps him. If it's Trevor Lawrence, you know, he could really help him along. So I, I don't, I don't agree with moving the offensive weapons, but then again, I mean, Anything I think is possible. Anybody could be up for trades. We heard Joe Douglas a few months ago say that the only untradeable person was Sam Darnold. So, yeah, at this it's, point, it's anything's fair game. It's crazy, but the Jets have the Dolphins this week. So, Gase gets to play his yeah. former team in Miami. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was the quarterback the last time it was fun to be a Jets fan. Yep. <clears throat> Devontae <laughs> Parker, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford. So, I mean, Gusecki, you, you just expect all of these guys to have a field day. It's not like, Dylan, I, I write the game I write the, the game previews, the key matchups. There are no mm-hmm. key matchups. Every no. single guy that lines up for the Jets is going to get a test kick by the guy across from him. That's it. Yep. Throw out random names. Uh, this guy, this guy, and this guy. They're going to be overmatched. Because they're going to be overmatched. With the exception yep, of a couple of guys. Their... <clears throat> exactly. I was looking at their uh, roster before we started and I wrote down Byron Jones versus question mark. And no matter whose name you fill in, it's not good. There's no, there's no recipe for success against this team, which is again, embarrassing and inexcusable because this is a very beatable roster and you could take advantage of some things here and there, but the way they're playing versus the way we're playing, it's just, it's going to be bad. It is. It's going to be ugly. And guys who played for Gase aren't going to want to take their foot off the gas. And, no, we're um, going to see a lot of showboating and a lot of oh yes, possibly taunting and finger yep, pointing. And maybe at some, Gase maybe some ugly extracurricular yeah. stuff late in the game. Yeah, I, I, I could uh, I could foresee another Fangio situation where Flores doesn't want to shake Gase's hand and. 
I mean, if two head coaches don't want to shake your hand after the game, that's that's saying something. <laughs> Wait, did it happen a second time? No, I'm saying I could foresee it happening. If okay, it sorry. Chippy I, I and it gets ugly in this well. game. No, no, no. But if it did happen a second time, I mean, this is just right. one time is plenty. Second time, right. come on now. We're four. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I, I got to say, um, I don't know what the game plan will be this week. I, that was one thing that jumped out at me. I, I didn't, you know, you see it during the game, but I, until I watched the All-22, I didn't notice how often the Jets went with that 2D lineman, two outside linebacker look um, up front, and it mm-hmm. was terrible. I mean, every, every play, the 2D linemen are getting doubled. The guys on the edge, they're just, you know, Frankie Louvu. Uh, they're know. not intimidating enough. The tackle just they're buries not, they, them in the turf, and that's yeah, it. Lays got, on them. They, they, I mean, listen, this team doesn't generate pressure as it is. But this week, this Sunday was, I mean, it was like a, a clinic. They were going up against Kelvin Beecham. Kelvin Beecham was making them, was stonewalling them. It's like. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that Greg Williams is trying to contain uh, Kyler Murray in the pocket and get creative, but at some point you got to realize, like, okay, th- this is he wasn't working. running that much enough to, and I understand that might have been the contain aspect. Of I was going to say I mean, that, that could be why, but <clears throat> I, Kyler's going to run what? even it's if it's a, a designed pass play. So it's just a matter of pick your poison. They were going to lose the game. Yep, they yep. were going to give up thirty points. No matter what we didn't they expect, did. four hundred air yards from Kyler Murray, but hey, I mean that just goes to show the versatility of him and and that offense because he could rush for a hundred plus and three two touchdowns on the ground, or he could throw it for four hundred yards. So I think that's yeah, you had you had not, to feel for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I felt like he um, he drew the short straw. It was I I tweeted it out as soon as the game yeah. started. I said this is a uh, reminiscent of Vance Joseph. Uh, again, this may this may predate you there, Dylan. Uh, but many years ago, the Jets had an undrafted free agent corner, uh, which made this kind of worse. He was actually, if I'm not mistaken, he was a college quarterback, quarterback, who the Jets <laughs> took as an undrafted free agent, tried to make him a Swapped cornerback, a corner. and made his NFL debut on Monday Night Football against Hall of Fame receiver Tim Brown. And it went about as, as the way you would expect it, and that and it's Vance Joseph now. That's who it was. He was he was on the sidelines the other day as a coach, um, for the Cardinals, and he yep. he made his NFL debut with the Jets as an undrafted corner against a Hall of Fame receiver. Wow! And so, but his was even worse because he wasn't a corner, and it was on Monday Night Football. Um, at mm-hmm. least Jackson, at least Lamar Jackson, is a corner and got to do it in the obscurity of a Sunday night full slate where nobody gives a damn about the Jets and nobody's watching. Um, but, yeah, that's that. I had that flashback immediately, and then I saw a few – Rich Cimini and a few others tweeted that out a little later in the day. Um, so it was ugly. I, I thought, really, the kid did all right, all things considered. Um, and that's oh, kind yeah. of where they're I at. So you know, I, I've always been a guy who says, when, when you're out of it, play the kids. So, really, they should have been yep. playing the kids since week two. Since – um, yep, what, once you lost by 50, yeah, once you lost by 50 to San Francisco's third stringers, you knew the season was over. Um, oh, yeah. So that'll do it for us tonight, I think. I mean, score prediction. Listen, every week I predict huge score, a 35-point loss. Dolphins 42, Jets 6. There's my prediction. Do you have a, a score yep. prediction, Dylan? 
I wrote down uh, 37 to 9. That was my okay. reaction. Yep, so we're in the same ballpark. This is the first time since 2016 that the Dolphins are favored by more than one score in a football game. So congratulations, Adam Gase. First chance to win a back-to-back game since 2015, I believe, as well. So yep, a lot of yep. milestones and coming up against the Jets for the Dolphins. Yep, <laughs> and uh, look for them to skip. You know, they can set some scoring records if they feel like it. And, uh, and you know what? I wish Ryan Fitzpatrick well. I liked him while he was here. Nice guy. Beat the odds. He's still around. Who would have thought, thought a few years he's ago that would still be a starting quarterback? Hey, maybe we'll see Tua. If he's healthy enough, maybe he'll come in in garbage time. I actually, I don't know about that considering Jets play yeah, game I antics. But I, I wouldn't do that, you know. And, and I, I, I it's don't not know if you saw it. that no, I tweeted earlier. Driscoll went through. Yeah, I, I had this thought earlier thinking about the Chiefs game. If, I'm the Chief, if I have a franchise quarterback and I'm playing the Jets, I'm going to sit that guy. I'm going to be like, listen, yeah. we can start our second, third so quarterback. Twice down the field we're, if need we're, be. Still going to, we're still going to hang 31 on these guys. You know, we mm-hmm. saw it with the 49ers playing their backup on, you know, not like he even had any, any time to prep. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. The second stringer comes in, mops the Jets, you know, up and down the field, mops the floor with them. So, yeah, if, I, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm going to tell – I'm going to treat it like a preseason game. I'm gonna say, Pat, you're gonna play. You're gonna play two series. Uh, you're gonna throw. Yep. You're gonna hand it off six times. You can throw it twice, and then you're coming out. And that's and really we're get fourteen nothing. Yep. Very very yeah, simple. And, yeah, and it's, there's Was, no reason if you're if you're the Dolphins, you definitely wouldn't uh, definitely wouldn't take uh, take any chances with Tua because I, I will say this no. though, in defense of the Jets with the personal fouls, um, they're stupid. But I would to me the majority of them have been, like, marginal, but not harmful. Like, no one's going to get hurt because you push the guy. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, lowering their helmets into the guy's back or, you know, or or, or drilling them under the chin. Like, they're not knocking anyone out of a game. They're just being dumb, sloppy, falling on top of people. So this thing, like, oh, the Jets are dirty. No, the Jets are stupid. No, and I thought the Quinn and Williams uh, face mask or roughing the passer was more a case of him reaching in as the quarterback was ducking and grabbing yeah, the only it, thing it, he could. Uh, the yeah. the late game ones, you know, there's you can't really make an excuse just other than stupidity. But no, they weren't like uh, let's send this guy off on a stretcher. Yeah, type there, hit. there's no. But, I mean, Henry Anderson might have one or two that were a little ugly, but for the yeah, most he's part, a common, these aren't like he's a common one. These aren't malicious hits. When I see people say no. the Jets just play dirty, look at all the personal fouls. And I think, yeah, look at them. Don't don't look at them I, written I down thought, on a sheet of paper. Go back and watch yeah, them happen. Exactly. Watch the play in live time because I personally thought that the Sam Darnold, um, like you know, where Alexander Johnson swung him down and where he hurt his shoulder, that I was thought that that ten one times worse than anything was going to take made. a flag or you know possibly a fine after the game and. I understand maybe not the flag, but if you're going to hand out all the spines to the Jets, you might as well hand yeah. out one to Alexander Johnson because that's in the rule book that you can't grab them by the waist and, like, spin them around or suplex them. Yeah. That's not a thing anymore. Stop, so it's not the WWE. You're in the grasp. It's like he's not going to escape it. I understand he probably could have if you let him go early enough, but it's not – it's no, just, I mean, he, had I his, it was... he had his feet off the ground and was swinging him around. Exactly. He wasn't going yeah, anywhere. Just... 
He was only going to yeah. go as far as the guy threw him. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that that wraps it up for this week. Adam Gase is is beyond moronic. I don't know if the Jets are just keeping him in place to guarantee zero and sixteen to get that number one pick. Uh, my greatest like- fear is that they don't fire him after this season, and maybe there's like a a backdoor deal where, hey, Adam, we understand the talent's not there. Go ahead and lose all the games. We'll bring you back. I don't see that happening. Nobody's going to buy a damn ticket if they do that. I pray. Um, I pray that's yeah. not the case. <laughs> yeah, so we will see what happens. Dylan, thanks for filling in and, uh, you know, Absolutely. join us in the next couple weeks. And then, you know, we we got to have you on regularly as a as a caller to come in and give some opinions, uh, you know, with, with the work you're doing for us. So it's much appreciated. And uh, go ahead and give out Absolutely. your Twitter handle, Dylan, and I will log us off for the night. Sure. Twitter handle is at D Terraman. That's D T E R E M A N at D Terraman. All right. Thanks so much, Dylan. And uh, take care, Jets fans. We'll catch you next week. Have a great night. All right. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time. Go Jets!